0: Welcome to L.A. Pod, a project of the liberal arts area of study of Austin Community College. I'm Matthew Daudelarun, Dean of Liberal Arts, Humanities, and Communications. I'm joined today by Dr. Nora de Hoyos Comstock, a Latina entrepreneur and community builder living in Austin, Texas. You may know Nora as one of the current members of ACC's Board of Trustees. Nora has spent her life empowering and supporting women and children and she joins me today for a conversation about her work as a community builder. So it's so great to talk to you Nora the the uh, when my team and I were talking about the theme for this Uh, month uh for the la pod podcast you were absolutely the first person i thought of and i wanted to uh talk to you about your work as a uh as a community builder and a community leader Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna pass over you you just have had such an illustrious uh life you've done so many things you've been recognized by so many organizations like i mean family circle the um uh, Hispanic Lifestyle Magazine, TMACC. I mean, you you have really been uh, been recognized for all your work. Um, so, if you don't mind, I want to jump right into uh, what you're doing, like as a community builder. What sorts of things are you up to?
1: Well, I think one of the most important things to talk about at this time is the technology that has enabled us to really ramp up our ability to impact our communities because when we had to physically be present and to physically send emails or get it in the newspaper or the radio or the whatever, as the only real ways of informing our community about things that needed doing or others informing us about needs that the community had, it was much more difficult to do this work. We either had to be at a PTA meeting or we had to be at a Heart Association or whatever group you were trying to work with. And in terms of building community, it was the same thing. You had to be physically present to do everything. So the challenges to building community were, it was all those barriers of being able to get there. Maybe you didn't have a car and you had to go on a bus. Or, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have a, a car to be able to go places. But this is true for all community builders. I mean, it has really changed how we go about doing that. And I was right at the time that... um I mean, I'd always been involved in community building because that's who my mother was. That's what she did. And just like so many other mothers today, she took me by the hand and we went to the meetings and we did all those things. So it was in my blood to be a community builder, to support community, to help others.
0: That's that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, so what what is your path through life? what what led you to this particular work? You've already mentioned your mom, I mean, that's obviously an important connection
1: for you. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that was the beginning. And every time I, I whatever I do in the community, it is to honor her memory. And, um, and my father as well, my family, because we, we all worked very hard in the community. And the, the path was really, again, as a child doing that. And of course, I uh, went to Raymondville um, Elementary, Middle and High School. Uh, my freshman year in high school, I, I moved to San Antonio because one of my aunts lived in San Antonio. She was a public health nurse. She actually was the first one in our family to graduate from college. And it was the University of Texas nursing school um, and that was through the assistance of a, of a physician in Raymondville who had noted her interest and her talent and actually paid for her education at the University of Texas. So she was the first and she invited me to San Antonio to live with her and she would send me to a private school. And I would help her with the kids at home and so on. So that was what got me out of Raymondville and into the bigger world. Otherwise, I'd probably still be in Raymondville. Um, It it, it was uh, an interesting challenge, as it was for all Latino children and uh, children of color, actually, because, of course, the uh, community was largely white, um, Anglo. And it... um, we all had the same challenges in terms of education and being able to cross that color line in a way. Um, so most of my friends would have been Latino. Um, but then I ended up moving uh, to San Antonio and going to a private school, which of course was elite. I mean, what can I say? Private schools, being able to pay for it. I mean, that was, I was among an elite group of people, but I had a great curiosity. I'd love to learn in addition to helping people, I was just curious about everything. And my favorite saying is always, oh, tell me all about it. I want to know all about it. Uh, You you know that.
0: I do. I've heard that so many (laughs) times. That's fantastic. Yes.
1: (laughs) And so, you know, I went to Providence High School in San Antonio and then went to San Antonio Junior College, which today is called the Alamo Colleges. Um, But at that time, I, I went to SAC and then I worked for uh, the dean of the college for a little while as his secretary and then married and moved to Oklahoma because wow. my husband at the time wanted to study philosophy and the doc, the professor he wanted to start with and uh, study with was there. So then, um, we were there a couple of years and then, or for one year and he, the professor left for Germany. So we returned to Texas. Um, and, and eventually I ended up at the University of Texas working. I worked there many, many years, but also started taking courses. And it took me 10 years to finish a BA, but I finally finished it. And then uh, several years later jumped into a Ph.D. program um, because I was working for the provost of the University of Texas. And he said, what do you want to do with yourself? And I, I said, I, 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 you know, want to do something in education and it ended up to be community college education at the time. And that was kind of the beginning of all of this, but I was also very interested in technology and about the same time Apple started opening labs at universities. And so I would go, except I didn't work on apples. I worked uh, on um, they were called twin cybers at the time at the University of Texas. And I actually typed my dissertation on one of those, cyber so I was one of the first to ever do it on that um so then you know the rest is history I got my PhD and um went on to do other things
0: so your your BA I I think I remember is in history with a focus on Latin American history, right? Correct. Uh, and how do you how do you see the connection between you know I wanted to talk to you about this anyway being, you know, dean of liberal arts sure. humanities and communications and all it's part of my uniform to talk about the liberal arts. But so what how do you see the the uh, what's the what was the importance to you of um of study in the liberal arts as a kind of uh, uh maybe a foundation for some of the work that you have done.
1: The very important part of it that that I think is, is particularly important is that I was a Latina, Mexican American in the lower Rio Grande Valley, but that was a very difficult um, situation for me. I, because I spoke English really well and had good relationships with non-Latinos, I was kind of excluded from and my family did not have any wealth at all. People who had wealth, it was okay for them to be in the white community, but those of us who did not have wealth, how did we get there? So there was a lot of it, it was, there was a lot of friction in that. So my friends, instead of being Latino or Hispanic or Mexican American, were Anglo. So, um, that I missed a lot of the community involvement as a kid, not as a family. Our family was very involved, but as a kid, my friends were not Mexican American. Um, When I left um, Raymondville and, and ended up in the private school, again, you've got a situation where I'm outside the normal more or less normal path for a Mexican American child. So, And as a result of all of that, I had more exposure to education, more opportunities that others did not have. And again, my curiosity always allowed me, or it it opened doors for me. And, And my ability to speak English without an accent and all those many things gave me opportunities that others did not have, and but at the same time, um, it I missed the deep connection to the Latino, Mexican-American culture that would have been there had I been more involved with the community as such, so, so it's kind of a strange uh, situation, and I, I know it is not unique to me, Anybody who kind of had the same experience, if you were not wealthy, but you had opportunity, there was friction. Um, it also happened in my own family, because I was adopted um, out of my biological family by an aunt and uncle, and that offered me opportunities that my biological brothers and sisters did not have. So again, it, it, all of this is this very uh, kind of left me, I believe, bereft of community and family. And so I've had to deal with and and still have a lot of introspection that needs to be done around all of that because I think it actually tells a story that that is sad in many ways, but it also opened me up to the need and desire to help the community that I came from that I didn't have those deep roots that I was looking for. And I felt that I was losing them. And in that, I started to look for it. I started to try to find it and to try to make the connection. And that actually didn't happen until I finished my PhD and went up into the world to try to figure out what I was going to do. And, um, I also found the, the Latino, Hispanic, Mexican-American community in Austin very difficult to get into. Very difficult. Because if you weren't from East Austin, you weren't a part of the group. And it, I found out later that any number of people who moved to Austin and weren't from East Austin experienced the same thing. Oh, okay. So it, Took a while before the community opened up and let us in because we kept trying. We were on the outside looking in trying to help, right? right we were saying, right. here, let me help. Let me help. I want to help. So anyway, uh, eventually all of that happened and um, we came together to, to to do the things that I've been able to accomplish. Uh, it took a lot of work to get in, but um, I mean, I, I'm there now. And, and um, because when I finished my PhD, the other thing that I did is I became very involved in anything that would let me in, right? Somebody laughed years later and said, I never heard you say no. If somebody asked me to do something, you said yes, and you went out and you did it. Finally, she said 10 or 15 years later, I heard you say no. And I went, that's the first time I've ever heard her say no. And it's like, I have no, no bandwidth. I, I can't do it. But so I would accept anything. So Greater Austin Hispanic Chamber. I'm sorry, the Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce. I worked with them for many years. Yes. yes. Part of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, but not a part of the leadership till way later. Um, And so, again, I I was involved in anything and everything that interested me and it would accept me.
0: That's fantastic. (laughs) You know, the the story you were telling about the about those. the layers and the conflicts and having opportunities, but feeling uh, not deeply connected to the community that resonates a lot with concerns that I have, Um, you know, as an instructional leader about um, all things, liberal arts. uh, One of the things that concerns me is that we often um, ignore students roots in communities, in family, in their faith-based life Um, And I'm and I'm always looking for ways to help students uh, connect and stay connected, because I really believe that's a tremendous source of of strength that these are assets that students could leverage. So um, could you speak to that? I mean, what are the ways that you think um, we could we could incorporate more? of that sort of awareness of of connectedness to community in our sort of daily work in classrooms teaching liberal arts?
1: I guess asking about yeah one of the things that I don't think I do nearly enough of and I think this is true for many people reflection Hmm. reflecting on that experience um, today i'm 74 t- about to turn 75 i really believe that this is the first time that i have reflected on all of these things i just lived through them in uh, the, you know and so today the whole s- reflecting on things um opens up a world that I wish I had actually done much earlier. So my recommendation to you in to help people connect to their culture, their language, their family, their church, their community is a reflection about how that is happening or not happening for you. And what emotionally does it mean? Because there is a huge emotional toll that and, and that may be part of the reason why I didn't want to reflect. I didn't want to deal with the emotional, maybe it's baggage, maybe it's not, but I didn't want to deal with the feelings because I could remain happy and go do my thing every day yes, if I didn't yeah. reflect. But if you so, so there's kind of a uh, Push, pull on that, you know, reflect, but also deal with it, you know, not yeah. just reflect, find a way to, to bring that into both your experience and the learning of others about how what happens in community impacts your own perception of self and growth. And ability to help others.
0: Special thanks to my friend doctor Nora De Oyos Comstock. You can hear the rest of our conversation in the next episode. Thank you for joining LA Pod. Our mission is to show you that the liberal arts can save the world one great conversation at a time. LA Pod is produced by Wade Allen, Gabe Sorrell, Sam Hudson, Eli Arzate, and Christine Bowers with support from the Liberal Arts Marketing, Outreach, and Promotions team at ACC.